electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Tyler Matheson. On this podcast, we bring you in-depth, candid conversations with CEOs, entrepreneurs, thought leaders from interviews that are usually recorded in front of live audiences. Not so much this time. Today, as we practice social distancing, we bring you a conversation that occurred remotely during CNBC's first virtual conference entitled At Work, Leadership and Management Amid Crisis. We held it back on April 2nd, 2020. Our At Work event series has always focused on the radical shifts taking place within our organizations and workforces. Now, as millions of us work from home because of the COVID-19 pandemic, that conversation feels more relevant than ever. So many of us are relearning how to do business. Including myself and my colleague, John Fort, we are both learning how to anchor television programs from our homes. John is the co-anchor of CNBC's Squawk Alley, and he joins me remotely now. Hi, John. How are you doing? Hey, Tyler. I'm, I'm good. You know, uh, working some at home, working some at work. In a way, it's not that different because I was always doing some work at home. Now I'm just doing quite a bit more. Yeah, you were one of the pioneers in, in being able to hook up from pretty much anywhere around the country. And I think it's going to change not only us in the television business and how we do things, but, but all kinds of companies and the way meetings get transacted and gatherings get done, just as we did with our virtual session back in early April. Yeah, it, it's forcing us and a lot of others to figure out what do we really need in order to make this experience good? I mean, I think we started off at good enough, and now we're thinking about really good. And uh, there are lots of different ways to think about interaction, about collaboration, using technology, using tools, but still keeping in mind to what's really important to the culture of companies and the fabric of relationships. Back in uh, April at our event, you talked to a couple of folks. One was Carmine DeCivio. He's the global chairman and CEO of EY, Ernst & Young, one of the largest uh, service firms uh, in the world. And Elizabeth Reynolds, Tell us a little bit about that conversation. Yeah, Elizabeth Reynolds is executive director of MIT's Industrial Performance Center, where she researches innovation, economic development, and industrial competitiveness. My big question, really, for both Carmine and Liz was, this situation we're in now, is, is this what the future looks like? Take a listen. Carmine, uh, let's start with this crisis that we are in right now. You guys at EY have such a broad look at business um, and, and impacts. Is it changing anything about how you expected work to, to, to evolve over the next 10 years? Uh, yes, it's changing many things, John. Uh, you know, uh, if I talk a little bit about EY first, uh, EY, we're, we're over 300,000 people worldwide. Um, and fortunately for us, we've invested in technology and we're able to work remotely. Um, so we haven't really lost a beat in terms of working with clients, uh, being able to interact internally, using technology like this you know, from home, 
and helping our clients get through this. So it has changed. We're pretty much all working from home now around the world. And fortunately, we invested in technology like, like Microsoft Teams, like, like uh, Skype, like some of the others. And they've been godsends through this uh, you know, last month or so. And Elizabeth, from, from your end, you have been looking from uh, a broad economic perspective, even from the urban planning perspective, at, at how work is going to pan out in the future. Right now in this crisis, I don't see robots stacking store shelves. I, I didn't see artificial intelligence modeling to prepare for this in 2020. Does this crisis show that maybe frontline workers are more valuable than some assumed, and and what changes, if so, might we need to put in place so that uh, so that the future doesn't look as bleak as it might? Well, you're absolutely right that um, for all of the fears of the robots are coming, the reality is uh, certainly in this crisis, the frontline workers um, who matter are indispensable, and a lot of the work they're doing just couldn't be done by robots. Um, certainly, robotics could help with some of the safety aspects, but when you think about the folks who are cleaning their buildings, the folks who are serving the food, um, all of the, the supply chain for, for food and for other critical essential items, you know, we've needed workers. And in the best uh, circumstances, we have technology augmenting workers and helping those workers in doing this work. Um, but we are definitely in a position where we've seen the challenge right now for a lot of these workers who are um, uh, working in, in conditions that are really dangerous and, um, and folks who have been sent home is that our social safety net really hasn't been um, is not adequate for protecting the most precarious workers. So our low wage workers, our contract workers, gig economy workers all in a very dangerous position. And so I think there's definitely a lot of discussion. And even in the stimulus bill, you know, our 20th century institutions that were built to support a certain kind of work um, really have to be um, reformed for the 21st century. So they really extend and protect more workers. Yeah, Carmine, what about that? Is this a kind of in case of emergency break glass moment where, yeah, we have stimulus, we have, you know, short term fiscal policy changes, but really that's just to get us out of this hole and then it's back to life as usual? Or is this a game-changing moment? Um, And if it is a game-changing moment, uh, exactly how is this changing the game? Yeah, so John, so I I do think it's a game-changing moment, but some of this depends on what sector you're in and which employees we're talking about. So, you know, even today, about 30% of the American people uh, have the ability to work from home. They haven't been forced to work from home, and it's been more of a luxury as opposed to a necessity. Now, obviously, with the coronavirus, it's a necessity. So in in, in fields like, like consulting, like our field and field in technology and so forth, we've all had the ability to work from home. It's been used sparingly, but, but used. Uh, today, we're using it all the time. In other sectors and other fields, I think that has to get much more built up. And I do think that's where the game changing does come into play. Technology has transformed many businesses, but it's got a long way to go because honestly, in, in all the different sectors, there's much more that can be done remotely. There's much more that can be done using technology, including front front uh, frontline workers where, where we can do more as, as time goes along here. Um, so I, I do think it's a game changing moment I don't think that 
you know, all of a sudden there aren't going to be office buildings and things like that. Um, but I do think in certain industries, technology, you know, we, we keep talking about technology. It, the, the need for these companies to transform themselves, to be able to use technology, Internet of Things and so forth, even with supply chains, it will help this kind of situation. So, you know, I, I hate to give you a bit of a hybrid answer, John, but I do think it will be a change. It'll be much more of a change for certain sectors that haven't invested in technology and haven't been using it uh, versus others. I mean, and there is a point here around efficiency um, and, and productivity, you know, so, so think about the commute time people have. On average, I think people uh, commute, it's 225 hours a year. That's the estimate in terms of an average commute time. Now that time is all your time. So there are definitely some positives in terms of, you know, how to work going forward. But I don't think it's going to be, you know, all of a sudden there are no office buildings and we get up every day and we go into a room and sit there all day because that's not that's not who we are. That's not who humans are. So it'll be a hybrid. Um, but I do think it'll be transformational. Still to come on the keynote, does education return to normal after this pandemic? Why it may not and why that might be a good thing according to MIT's Elizabeth Reynolds. Stay with us. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome back to the keynote by CNBC Events. I'm John Ford, and you're listening to my conversation with EY CEO Carmine DeCibio and MIT's Elizabeth Reynolds from CNBC's virtual at work conference on April 2nd, 2020. We're talking about the new realities of work as we deal with the COVID-19 pandemic. Liz, I, I like people, I've I realized. I, <laughs> I, guess, I guess I knew that already, but th- this is reminding me at the value of rich interaction. Uh, if, if, say, I'm a professional services firm and I'm interacting with people over video conference, but my competitor is actually sitting down, taking them out to lunch, taking them to a Giants game, a Mets game, boy, I'm going to lose, right? So I, I wonder about that, if there are going to be enough incentives that people are really going to fundamentally change a lot of how they work. I also wonder, though, maybe you can help with this. It, was there a previous major global event that had a lasting impact on how we work. I mean, maybe even if it wasn't global, maybe there are, you know, social safety net legacies of previous events, but are there things that as we think out into the future and plan, we should use as benchmarks and measuring perhaps how this is going to affect us or should? Well, certainly there are other, um, you know, critical moments in this country's history as well as um, around the world that are um, very instructive about what happened during that period. The the Depression obviously comes to mind and a lot of enormous uh, investments and productivity that came out of that time. Uh, We think about uh, Roosevelt introduced the Rural Electrification Act and uh, the country rural areas went from 10 percent of a 
uh, electrification to 90%. And so, you know, what's an equivalent today that we might think about? I, I think about um, universal broadband and access to digital, because that's really going to help increase productivity and um, bring all, uh, you know, members of society into the into the digital economy. Um, but I also think that we've had, you know, we've had um, telecommunications infrastructure for decades. And this idea that the death of distance, we're all going to, you know, work remotely. And that was going to, as, as uh, Carmine said, we're going to you know, free up a lot of time. And this was going to be uh, a whole new way of working. It hasn't panned out that way. In fact, uh, it's been the opposite, that we've had this uh, concentration of, uh, of people and talent and technology in um, in certain places. And in fact, there's been, the, you know, we can point out to the super cities, if you will. And that's because that we know that there's a lot that comes from the interpersonal, a lot of innovation, a lot of ideas, um, a lot of serendipity that we probably won't want to give up. I agree that we will have some hybrid that I think people who have never worked remotely will have become more comfortable with it. Um, people will want to understand probably that I don't need to travel across the country for uh, a two-hour meeting. Uh, maybe I should just stay home. That that will have implications, obviously, for different industries and, and how people work. Um, and I think, importantly, there's potential here for um, an increase in innovation in distance learning. We are all, you know, we're seeing um, every educational institution trying to figure out how we're going to um, teach our students and there's a real opportunity to learn how to do that better. We do a lot of work at MIT, and I think there's a real um, commitment to figuring out how do we expand that, how do we evaluate and make sure it's producing the results we want. And so there's a, a real opportunity, I think, on that front to increase access and to increase kind of online distance learning for people who may not be, have the means or the um, ability to go to the four-year college, what can we be doing with online learning to help create, you know, better pathways for those folks? Coming up on the keynote, what corporate policy changes can we expect to see post-pandemic? Stay with us. The legends are true. With overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the keynote. I'm John Fort, and you're listening to my conversation with EY CEO Carmine DeCibio and MIT's Elizabeth Reynolds. We're talking about productivity during and after a pandemic. And Carmine, let's talk about let's talk about policy for a moment because um, I think companies, many of whom are your your clients, I imagine, have the capability to advocate for government policy in whatever jurisdictions they operate. Uh, right now, there are 
is talk about social safety net, uh, about fiscal help for certain groups that, that don't have the sort of uh, flexibility and resources available during uh, a time like this. Are there policies that you think companies, uh, executives, leaders should be advocating for so that in the future, um, the customer base for various industries is maintained or, or isn't caught in a lurch? Is it time to be thinking about that sort of thing policy-wise now? Yeah, John, I, I do think it's, well, I certainly think it's time to be thinking about it. Uh, look, this this virus, this this situation is going to be just many, many things. And I do think there are going to be many things on the policy front that should be looked at, uh, including, you know, we talk about having a redundancy program for your business. Well, now, you know, I think that's going to change as well. It's not just around having some offsite somewhere that you never go to. Uh, it's going to be something much more real. So, I do think there are going to have to be some policy changes to really help companies and to help guide companies to where they really need to be. It's interesting uh, what Elizabeth was saying uh, in terms of, you know, online learning and so forth as well. And that's something our online learning courses in terms of upskilling our people, Elizabeth, is up 42 percent since the crisis started. Obviously, they might have more time and so forth, but but they also have the ability to do it. Um, and to me, we are in this debate on the educational sector in terms of what has to change, what's not going to change. I do think I do think looking at this by sector is probably a good way to look at it, including looking at policies, John, because I think sectors are in different places um, on this. Obviously, my my field, professional services, technology, we're way ahead on the, on this type of thing. But many others aren't, including education. I think there's so much more that can be done from an educational standpoint as well. Liz, last word here. In terms of policy and impact, this has has touched and opened up so many lines of communication that I think uh, ideas, themes that go way beyond this crisis, whether we're talking about the health system, we're talking about Mm -hmm. frontline workers, uh, knowledge workers, versus those who are working with their hands, the gig economy. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Transportation. What do you think are just a couple of takeaways, long-term planning-wise, policy-wise, things that that people really need to zero in on and perhaps this crisis crystallizes that otherwise they might miss? Well, you know, one of the things that we've been focused on on the task force for the work of the future is that it's obviously not just one thing, but um, and it's not man versus machine. It's, you know, man and machine. And so I think broadly speaking, we want to think about policies where you're investing in workers and providing uh, the security and the investment for their education and skills. But we're also investing in technology. And as Carmine said, many, you know, some industries, industries are way ahead on this. A lot of them are not. And we have this um one of some of our colleagues have come up with this term so-so technology that, you know, for all the technology around us, you would have expected um, before this crisis uh, higher rates of productivity in this country, higher growth rates. Um, and I think that we haven't seen those in part because we haven't been investing in the kind of technology that's using technology to augment workers, not just substitute them so that we're marginally, you know, getting rid of some, some labor costs but really looking at technology as an asset, as a tool that can help augment workers and shaping how we use technology for the future. And so I think this is an opportunity. Usually, you know, during contractions, firms are rethinking how they do things, how they might um, invest in technology, redo you know, their business models. 
this is a time for us to think about how can these new technologies really augment workers, increase productivity, and create um, a much um, more harmonious system, certainly in this country, going forward so that workers can really be um, on a path forward toward shared prosperity. Well, this is uh, definitely giving us plenty of time by ourselves to think about that and a lot more. Liz Carmine, thank you for the great conversation. You just heard Carmine DeCibio, Global Chairman and CEO of EY, and Elizabeth Reynolds. She's the Executive Director of MIT's Industrial Performance Center, and the conversation was conducted by my colleague, John Fort. John, our panelists seem to think that this pandemic is going to accelerate our shift toward embracing remote work. That really isn't a surprise, I suppose, but, but maybe the, the speed of it is. I think it's the speed of it and the way it's happening. It, it seems like before we tended to think of remote work as kind of binary. Either you're doing it or you're not. You're in the office or you're one of those people who works from home. Now this pandemic is introducing this model of if you have to work from home, do you have the tools to do it? Are you able to do it? And, and I think companies are realizing it's not just a strategy uh, matter or giving exceptions matter of having certain people work from home. It's a business continuity issue of being able to have people work from home if it becomes necessary. Yeah, I, I think of our own experience, and John, you and I have both been doing a lot of broadcasting from our homes. It was amazing how quickly our organization supplied us with the equipment, lights, uh, camera equipment, microphones, to be able to work from home. That's one thing uh, that I would say that has taken, taken place across lots of organizations. You hear numbers like one of the big banks buying 100,000 laptops in one fell swoop. Yeah, we hear about that. One of the big question marks still out there, though, is what's going to happen to office space? On the one hand, with more working from home, you might need less of it. But then on the other, with more social distancing, you might need just as much because even if fewer people are coming into the office, you can't pack us as close together sardine style or open office plan style, as they like to call it. It's going to change the, yeah, it's going to change the architecture of offices, I think, the need for space. And it's certainly going to impact uh, workers' willingness to get on a plane and go from New York to Chicago and back in the same day for a two-hour meeting? It will, but, you know, I wonder. I mean, there's something about meeting someone face-to-face, sharing a meal. If companies find themselves losing out on deals because the competition actually showed up, and if we ever start really pressing the flesh again, you know, did that, um, I think travel will ramp back up. But the question is, will that happen? And if so, how long will it take? It's, it's not necessarily that V-shape uh, things go back to normal that uh, a lot of people were anticipating. Yeah. Well, John, it's great to see you. I can't wait to see you in person, and I hope soon. Likewise. Good All to right. see you. The keynote is produced by the CNBC events team. For more information about upcoming virtual events and how you can participate, visit CNBCEvents.com. I'm Tyler Matheson. Take good care, be safe, and thanks for listening. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! 
The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.